I want to show something interesting about the importance of the father's role in the family. Now, there's a lot of people in this service right now, but typically um, Mother's Day is the probably the second most attended day in church, kind of, you know, in, in the country. Father's Day is actually one of the worst. Father's Day is typically, for most churches, one of the least attended services, uh, which is kind of sad culturally. Can, you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's kind of sad. So I was kind of doing some research, and, and, and what, what is, what's so important about the Father leading the way spiritually in the home? Well, let me ask this question. Uh, what chances do you have for your children to become to Christ followers or to remain Christ followers after they leave your house? Well, I want you to put that slide up because I want you to check this out. Uh, not that slide. Okay. If, if mom and dad went to church both together, 72% of kids will as an adult. That's high. So if, if you're home, both of you attend church and are plugged into a local church, 72% uh, of kids will. If only mom goes to church and dad, it's 15% of kids will continue uh, to follow Christ when they leave the house. But check this out. If only dad goes to church, 55% of kids will as an adult. And if neither, it goes down to six. Do you see the importance of the father in the home? It's very important that we take our role as leading the way, dads, uh, and not leaving that up to, uh, up to the wives, which happens most of the time is the spiritual drive usually is the mom, and the dad is kicked back, just kind of like, whatever. That needs to change. Because God has called us, and I'm telling you, dads, if you're in here, your kids are watching you, and they're listening to how you talk to your wife. Some of y'all are like, oh, Lord Jesus, I need to repent right now just for the ride to church today. <laughs> we just need to know um, that God has a great call on us as fathers. Amen. Are you ready to dive in today? Grab your Bible and I want you to turn to Romans chapter five. Romans chapter number five. We're continuing our series called No Filter. No Filter. If you remember, we talked last week as I introduced this series about how many times we have filters that, that are in our lives that sort of, when we view God, we see him through these filters. Uh, it could be uh, a certain denomination. It could be um, your mentors or parents or grandparents. Um, it could be tragedy in your life. You've gone through a certain experience that sort of, uh, it, it caused your view of God to be seen through this tragedy. And many times today, people refuse to serve God because they think he's mad and angry and they think, how could he have allowed this to happen? And they're not really seeing him accurately. So remember this series, we wanna really see God clearly for who he is. And I said this, if you're gonna make a decision on whether or not to follow Christ, let it be a decision made on truth about who he really is. Amen. And so, and so no filter. Uh, last week we looked at how God, um, it, we, we looked at his greatness and his majesty. Do you remember this? And his splendor. And yet we also looked at his closeness. And we said when we see him in his greatness, we will value his closeness. And do you remember the story I told about LL Cool J? 
and to <laughs> illustrate that, uh, and, and the valuing of the presence of the Lord and seeing him in his greatness and seeing him clearly, which is what we want to do through this series what I'm going to, where I'm going to be taking you, you're going to be hearing uh, this a lot, and some things you're going to hear uh, that are repeated, and you just need to know that that's very intentional. So if you hear things again, you're like, man, he already said that last week. Yeah, that just means you need to remember it. And it takes about six times for me to say something before you actually get it. All my parents know what I'm talking about. This series, we're going to be talking about who is God, which is this week and next week. We're really going to kind of peer into who God really is. And then we're going to move into talking about who we are in Christ. So we're going to we're going to look at our identity as Christ followers, as children of God. And we know that we need to be able to see him accurately before we're ever really going to understand our true identity in Christ. And then we're going to move into, a, uh, after we look at who we are in Christ, then we're going to move into what has he given us. We're going to spend some time talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And then finally, we're going to land this plane in this series, uh, talking about how now, now that we know all of these things, what do we do with it? How do we live it? I mean, you know, you can, you can understand truth, but if it's not working its way out in your life, it's useless. It's useless. So there's, there's where we're going. Uh, today, today we are, we are looking at the love of God. Today we're going to really try to, to understand the love of God. And let me explain to you why. Because some of you are like, oh, God came on the day when it's going to be real simple and basic. Well, here's the thing. As it relates to the love of God, sometimes we get filters that go into the, that cloud our view of Him. And it could be uh, the way that you were raised. It could be your view of, of, of love that you have with a spouse or an ex girlfriend or whatever it is. And we begin to define God's love in this way. But let me say this we're not just gonna be talking about God's love, we're gonna be talking about experiencing God's love. And let me say this as fathers, this is something that a lot of fathers neglect. We are content to know that God loves us and never walk that experience out in our life and feel the embrace of a loving father. It's gonna get quiet in here today, and that's okay. Because I know, I know that a lot of men struggle as it relates to really experiencing the truths that we understand. It's one thing to know a truth positionally that God loves us, or you know, but it's a whole nother thing to experience the embrace of, of God's love in our life. So we're gonna look at it today. I want you to go to Romans chapter five. Romans chapter 5, and what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to read from Romans 5 and then 1 John 3, uh, but we're going to start in Romans 5, and we're going to look at verse number 5. Paul is writing, and he says this, and hope does not put us to shame. Just go back to verse 4, actually. Uh, Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been, what? Poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit 
who has been given to us. So Paul here is, is not necessarily talking about God's love as it relates to a, a objective truth, but, but he's referring to the love of God as something encountered. He says it's poured out into our hearts and it spills over, and this is a working through the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't leave it with experience. He, he, he sort of uh, holds it up with truth, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit. Look at verse 6. For tying that experience of, of encountering God's love, he says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. In verse 8, which many of us know, we love this verse, it says, but God shows his love for us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, before we dive into our points today, what I want you to see is that Paul, Paul is showing us that there is, a, there is an experiencing, a pouring out of the love of God, and there is a knowing of the love of God based on factual, historical, objective truth, and we need both of those. In other words, let me ask you this question. Is God's love felt or known? Yes. Yes. God, God does not give us the right to choose between those two. Truth, truth always, all, it, it holds up our encounter, our, our experience. But make no mistake, Paul is dealing in verse 5. He's dealing with a, a felt experience. There are other times when he talks about uh, the love of God as factual truths to make an, uh, uh, to, to, as like argumentative. This is not one of those verses. This is not one of those verses. Now I want you to hold your finger here because we're going to flip back uh, and forth from 1 John and Romans 5. I want you to flip over to 1 John chapter 3. And I want to show you how John does the same thing. John spends a lot of his, his time in the first couple of chapters talking about the truth of knowing God and who God is and how we can know that we know him. And then all of a sudden, it kind of changes for him. And look in verse number one of chapter three. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. See, does your translation, do you have something that says different? Maybe behold, uh, behold what kind of love, uh, it could be what manner, uh, we're going to dive into this in, in just a moment, but, but he's, he says, see, behold what, what manner, what kind of love the Father has uh, given, or this word means to bestow, uh, has lavished, I think the King James actually says, has lavished on us, poured out on us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. He's, it's almost like he's having this moment as he's writing this letter. The reasons why the world did not know us is that they did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. Would you pray with me just for a moment? Father, we just ask that over these next few moments, you would speak to our hearts. 
Lord God, I just pray right now that you would preach and teach through me that your anointing, the power of your spirit would go forth and take this eternal word and, and just like seeds being scattered, scatter this truth into the hearts of every person here that we would be strengthened and encouraged in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. There is a few types of love that we kind of experience in our everyday life. I can give you one type of love. Uh, Joy and I, in 2003, had just started dating. And, uh, you know, when you're kind of, when you're dating, there's this, man, I don't want this to sound wrong. It's not like a trial period, but it's like, it's like there's like this month, two months, I think three months, and it is the max before you're really trying to see, is this someone that I really want to be with? And you know what the divider is of that? It is, it is three words. I love you. Do you remember the first time you ever said that to somebody? Or maybe the first time you said that to your spouse? or your boyfriend, or your girlfriend. I don't know about you, but this makes a whole lot, this means a lot more to women. So if you're, guys, if you're dating somebody and you've gone three months, oh God forbid, four months and those three words have not come out of your mouth, you better, your days are numbered, sir. There's something about saying that. It's like, it's like, you know, it's official now. I'm not saying it wasn't before that. You know what I'm talking about. It's just like, oh, okay, we've moved to that step. I love you. I remember when I did that to Joy, and I remember I, was, I had an old Dodge Dakota truck, and, and I was in the truck, and I was shaking. I was so nervous because I'm like, I really like her. I mean, was it love at that point? Man, I don't know. You just think it is, and you're just trying to figure stuff out. And, but you know you don't want her to walk away, so you need to solidify some stuff. <laughs> is this not sounding good so far? <laughs> We've been married 15 years. Come on, obviously something worked out for us. And I, I was like, man, I just really like her. And here's what I did know. Like, I, 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 I didn't like it when we were apart. And, and I loved spending time with her. And I, I was just like, I got it, man. This is, yes. Like, I got I to make this official. <laughs> I love you. And there was this, this moment, right, where it's like, oh, my God. I think you even started crying. Like, oh, my God, he actually loves me. He just embraced. I love you, too. <laughs> She's like, no, that never happened. <laughs> That's one type of love. What's another type of love? I, you know, my parents are right here on, on the front row. And, I, you know, growing up, I made my share of mistakes, did I not? Yep. But <laughs> you are too quick to respond right there, Mom. <clears throat> and all the, all the rebellion and all the things that I did wrong, I never doubted their love for me. Now, they showed it, and my mom, you know, both of my parents, you know, said I love you and, and, and are very affectionate, and, but <clears throat> to me, you know, especially as I got later into my high school years, you know, it was less about the affection, you know, and it was more about, well, they just love me because they're my parents, and they're, they're supposed to, right? I mean, a, as a young kid, you know, you just know, you know, your parents love you, but almost it's kind of like, yeah, but no matter what I do, yeah, but they love me, but they're just kind of supposed to, right? 
And I was thinking about these types of love that we experience, uh, you know, in the natural and, and how we can sometimes relate our love from and for God in this way. You see, many of us, our view of God's love is like, well, I know he loves me. He's just kind of supposed to, right? I mean, he's God. Like, and that's good enough for you. And, 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 you know, God's love, yeah, he's God. He has to love me. And then there's other people who, who kind of experience, who try to just experience this external mystic kind of love of God. And it's not really based on any factual knowledge about what he really did. And you're not really standing on anything. And, and today what I want to do is I want to bridge those two together and show that God's love is to be expressed and received in spirit and truth. And the two cannot be separate from each other. So when we see someone like Paul and John, by the way, who, who man, if you want to talk about, you know, because obviously there's this traditional, uh, you know, kind of traditional denomination and then the charismatic, and there's always been kind of this divide. But, but let me tell you this, no, no, no scholar would ever doubt that, that, that Paul is their guy. Like Paul is our, he's our guy. He's our theology guy. I mean, the book of Romans and, 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 and Ephesians, Philippians, all these really just full of theology. No one would doubt Paul and his stance on, on, on love. But what, what I think is interesting is that Paul in, in Romans and, and John in 1 John chapter 3, they, they both get to a point in, in their knowledge and in the theological rhetoric of, of, of argumentation of saying, hey, I, I need to make this point to you that God actually loves you and that God died for you and all of these things. And, and it's as if they get to a point where there's a pause and there's this, there's this meditation that takes place and all of a sudden what they're saying they begin to demonstrate for you. Like, like John is, is, is at a point where he's like, behold, I know I've been talking about it, but he just pauses and he just begins to demonstrate what he's actually trying to tell us. We can, guys, let me talk to you just for a minute. And here's what really the basis of this message is about. We can sort of deduce truth and be okay with a truth based on kind of deductive reasoning. Let me ex illustrate this. You could say, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, I am in the world, therefore God loves me. Do you see that? God says that he died uh, and, and he gave his life uh, for us. For uh, and calls us friends. I am, I am God's friend, therefore I know that he died for me. You see how we can deduce truth from reasoning to say, well, I know God loves me. And never, and never really move into the experience side of the love of God. So here's, here's what I'd like to do, uh, because... Because what Paul and John are both doing, they, they are not, in, at least in these verses, uh, talking about an objective truth. They are talking about a spirit-induced encounter with the love of God that all of us should have. All of us 
should have. Uh, it's interesting, if you will, um, it, you know, kind of flip back. Again, I, I told you we're going to flip back and forth from Romans uh, to 1 John. I want you to go back to the book of Romans because he says something interesting that I just want to point out to us before we move on to our points. He says in verse 4, endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame. And then there's a word right after that that says what? Because. And so what he's about to say is, I'm about to give you the reason that your hope in God will not be proven to be a sham. It will not be, uh, there will be no shame in it. And, and, and here's what he says. You think he's about to give some declarative truth. But this is what he says. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So let me say this. What are some things that may cause your hope to be put to shame? Well, Paul deals with that in the first few verses of chapter 5 when he says suffering produces this and, 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 and long-suffering and endurance produces this. So what is he actually saying is if your hope ultimately is in your health or your wealth, you will find when suffering comes your way, your hope to be put to shame. Does that make sense? And so he's saying, he's saying, listen, life has a way, life has a way of, of, of shaming our hope unless it is based in the knowledge and the love of God. Now, the only way that we can know, this is what he says, we can know that we won't be put to shame is because not only is there a truth that we agree to, but the love of God is expressively poured out into our hearts through an experience, through an encounter with the Holy Spirit that makes us say, oh my goodness, I know today that I will never be put to shame because I know the love of God, not just up here, but in here. Oh my goodness, God is real. Now when I go through suffering, now when I go through things, it's like, oh my goodness, I made it through the fire and my hope is still sure. My hope is still firm, and it will not be put to shame. I'm going to give you four truths about God's love. Four truths. Number one. Number one, God's love can, and I'm, I'm going to be repetitive here, God's love can and should be experienced. Flip back over to 1 John. I told you I'm, I'm going to go back and forth here. 1 John chapter 3 says this, see, this word actually is to behold. So, so John spends the first two chapters talking about how we can know God and how you can really know that you know God. And then he, he stops and he kind of uh, gets emotional or kind of emotes here. And he kind of is like, oh my goodness, behold, behold what manner or what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Here's what I want to show you today. John is, John is demonstrating something for us. It's interesting when you look in the Greek text, um, you know, 
the, John is saying, behold, and then we, we have to translate this what manner or what kind because it's very difficult to translate the original Greek here. Why? Because it's an idiom. It's, it's an idiomatic phrase. Let me explain this to you. If you're going to Ecuador this week and, and, you're, out, and you're out there with, you know, people who speak Spanish, and you tell your translator, it starts to rain, and you tell your translator, uh, man, it is raining cats and dogs out here. And you say, tell them that. It's raining cats and dogs. They're going to be like, what? The translator is, is, or interpreter, I should say, is going to have to find an adequate idiom in the Spanish language to illustrate what you just said. And this is what's happening here in 1 John 3. He says, see what kind. This word in the Greek actually means what world, what country. So what he's saying is, behold, what planet is this love even from that we should be called children of God, and it's not just that I know that I'm a child of God. I am. I've experienced the love of God. What planet could this even be from? You, do you hear now the phrasing of how John is trying to describe the love of God? It goes from objective to experience. It goes from him having a moment where he's talking about God's love, and then he's demonstrating for us how to love God. Are you with me today? It's almost as if John's knowing becomes beholding. John's knowing becomes beholding. It's when what you understand, you begin to stand under. It, it, it lavishes on us, meaning, meaning what John and Paul are both saying is it, it literally spills out into us and then this great love through the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about, it begins to splash down over, it spills over into every other area of our life. So now my mind is infected by the love of God. Now my heart is, now my emotions all of a sudden. Listen, when I got saved, some things in my emotions were like, whoa, this is different. I found myself at an altar crying, and I'm like, what? I'm like, what is happening right now? I'm like a little, little girl. <laughs> the love of God had spilled out from here, and it began to trickle all over me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm experiencing something from the Holy Spirit. And it was the love of a father. I'm going to illustrate this. Recently, my wife and I were uh, on vacation, and we came back. We'd been away from our kids for a week, and then our kids came back to see us, and it had been, I don't know, like seven days since we had seen our kids or more. And Avery came back, and the day that Avery came back, he was a little bit uh, thrown off, like it was something bothering him. And Joy called me and said, you're going to need to talk to Avery when you get home. And so when I got home, I knew I was going to have to pull Avery into the room and find out what was wrong. And I pulled him into the room, and he just began to really not say anything. It took me about 20 minutes to actually get him to talk. 
And really, it was, Avery is, is kind of our emotional one, and he, you know, he, he's really uh, affectionate, and, and, and he had just really missed us. And so, uh, through the course of us having three other kids, just kind of felt like, you know, man, you guys hugged me, but, but kind of quickly, and then you picked up the, I mean, he, it was just a moment where he had just missed his parents, and, and, and was struggling a little bit. And <clears throat> so, in that moment, right there on my bed, I just grabbed Avery, I just, just don't worry about it, I just grabbed him. And I pulled him in, and I kissed him on the head, and I, I said, every look me in the eyes. I always tell him, look me in the eyes. And he looked me in the eyes, and I said, I love you, and I will do anything for you. You are my son. And I kissed him again, and tears began to roll down his face. Now, in that moment, Avery did not get any new information, but information that he knew became new, Um, information that he understood he began to stand under, uh, information that, that, you know, he, he went from uh, sort of uh, he, to really being held by the truth that I was his dad and he, I actually did love him and I'm, I'm there for him and I'll do anything for him. There was an embrace that took place that demonstrated physically a truth that he probably already knew. You with me today? This is a great illustration for our Christian life that you and I, if you never, now, you, you, you can't always control, you can't, this is not something that, you know, moments when the presence of God hits our stage or down here or in worship, we, that's not in our list, right? In other words, we don't say, okay, Joy, we're going to have three songs, and then in the fourth song, about one minute in, we're going to have a Holy Spirit moment, and like, people are going to be crying and, and like coming down to the altar, like, you, you don't like, you just can't manipulate that. It's the Holy Spirit. And this is how our life should be experienced with God. If you've never felt his embrace, you are missing out on your father pulling you in and saying, look me in the eyes. I am for you. I will never leave you. I love you and I will do anything for you. And I already did everything for you, by the way. Nothing you can do will ever separate me from this great love that I have for you. And you need to know that again. Oh, I know you already knew it, but know it new. God's love can and should be experienced. Let me ask you this. What area of your life hasn't been spilled on yet? Has God's love stayed up here in the cup? He wants it to spill over, church into every other area of your life. So God's love should and can be experienced. Here's number two. The love of God is experienced through the Holy Spirit. Uh, flip back to Romans 5. Let me just illustrate this. Uh, and I'm, I'm gonna just briefly show this to you, this point. It just needs to be made. It says in verse five, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through what? The Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. Uh, so, so the love of God is experienced through the Holy Spirit. Let me say this. You are not kept from it by any family background, and you are not guaranteed it by any family background. Why am I even saying this? Because I hear a lot of people say, oh, man, they had a, a, an abusive dad. They're never going to understand the love of God. Well, them experiencing the love of God is not a working of their earthly parents. It's from the Holy Spirit. 
And I would actually venture to say that many times I've seen kids who grow up in a very healthy, loving home actually find it harder to encounter the love of God because their trust is in the health of their environment, of their home. They don't need God. This is, this is a work of the Holy Spirit. And, and let, me, let me say this. It's, it's, uh, put your kids in environments where they can encounter the Lord. If we were to say, you, you, you can know the love of God, but you can encounter his love, but it's through the working of the Holy Spirit. Joy and I have decided any moment we can get our kids in an environment where the presence of God, where the Holy Spirit is active and moving, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We send our kids to camp every year. We send, they go to Baton Rouge to kids camp with her, her family's church. And, and, and we're just at home. We're trying to cultivate the, the, the presence of the Lord because I know ultimately I can teach them the Bible, but I want them, I, I want that truth to spill out into their life. Recently, we sent our son Caleb to a camp probably a year or so ago. And, and we got a call saying, man, Caleb really encountered the Lord. This is a picture you've already saw earlier. But, but, but Caleb, Caleb really encountered the Lord. And, and actually, Joy's sister snapped this photo of, of Caleb. I'm so thankful that she was able to get this picture because this shows you this is not a working of the mind only. This is not deduced from reason. This is worked through the power of the Holy Spirit where knowledge that God loved little Caleb all of a sudden began to spill out into his life. And he not only knew the love, but he began to feel the embrace of a love from his heavenly father. You gotta get your kids in the presence of God. Oh, well, we don't really want to push our, we don't really want to push religion on our kids. We want them to make their own decisions. Oh, I don't believe that for, for one moment. When, you, when they were nine and 10 years old, did you make them brush their teeth? Oh, yes. You didn't say, well, we just want our kids to make their own decision. No, because you're going to be paying that dental bill. You better get in there and brush your teeth. You know that certain actions will produce certain things. And so you said, no, 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 this is not your choice. Oh, you're going to have some choices when you get out of this house. But I think by the time you get out, hopefully I've done a good enough job that you know why I made you make those choices. So get in there and brush them stanky teeth. <laughs> or get your butt up for church. Oh, we just want the, uh-uh, come on. What, 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 what are we talking about? And then you're going to wonder why. You're going to wonder why. They're running as fast as they can away because they've never encountered God. They've never encountered the love of God. They've never been embraced by Him. Come on, this is real talk here. This is why we strive in this church to be a church that produces the presence of the Lord or, or, or invites, I should say. We value His presence because His presence changes us. Number three. Experiencing God's love must be based on factual truth. Now, here's where we're gonna, we're gonna land the plane, but this is so important. In Romans chapter five, Paul is having this moment where he's talking about pouring and spilling, and it's, it's experiential, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. But, but I want you to see what he does. He doesn't leave it with experience. 
he says, after he talks about this pouring and, and this encounter, he says in verse six, four, so he ties the experience and, and he's about to give it a base. And he says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly and one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God shows, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What he's saying is this experience has a truth base to it. Are you with me? There, there is a uh, misconception about charismatic people. Now, there, there's, listen, you, you, can, you can bash any denomination and find a handful of churches and say they're all like that. But there's generally, as it relates to more charismatic churches, there's a misconception. Oh, it's all about experience. Oh, it's all about, you know, they're talking about encounter. It's all about this. And as a matter of fact, John MacArthur had a, had a, um, a conference called Strange Fire, and he actually showed... He showed clips of, of, of teenagers worshiping Jesus. And because they were repeating the same phrase over and over, said, this is Eastern mysticism. Let me explain this to you. Let me, let me show you how um, encountering God in an emotional way can also be very healthy as long as it's based in truth. See, when you talk about Eastern mysticism, what you're talking about is, is this mantra that they, that they do. They, they say, empty your mind, and, and it's, it's almost a detachment from reason. And you go into this, uh, in this emotional state where you're empty. No, 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 no. See, here's what we do. When we encounter the love of God, it's grounded in verse six, and we begin to read, oh my goodness, while I was weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. I can't believe he did that for me, and now this truth is making a foundation around me, but, but, it, but, but this truth begins to spill the love of God because the Holy this is his job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. He takes the truth and he pours it into our heart. And so now this knowledge that we know, it's like, oh my goodness, oh, behold, what, what, what world is this love from that, that he should call us children of God? And we are, we experience it. It's based in truth though. It's not, it's not experientialism. It's not void of truth. Listen, we are both charismatic and truth grounded. If you're wondering. <laughs> Lastly, I'm, I'm doing what most pastors do that I shouldn't do. I've already said I'm closing four times today, but I, <laughs> but I mean it this time. Number four, God's love <clears throat> can and should be pursued in greater measures because we're all in, in, on a different place in the scale, especially us dads. We look at other people, man, they're, they can, they've had these times with the Lord. You see, <clears throat> we can pursue this, and I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. But verse 5 in chapter 5 of Romans says, Hope doesn't disappoint because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. It, it has been poured out into our hearts. And this is, 
I wish we could see the tense in the Greek here uh, because he's saying, has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Although in the, in the English, they're both has been in kind of a past tense. The first one is not past tense. The, the tense of it actually means it can happen over and over and over again. So what he's saying is, is that this God's love has been, it, it is over and over and over again poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been once and for all. When you said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit took up residence in you. You didn't get 80% of the Holy Spirit. You didn't get 92% of the Holy Spirit. You got 100%. But this love, every day, it can be poured, it can overflow, it can spill out in your life. How, how does this happen? 2 Thessalonians 3.5. You don't have to turn there, but if you don't mind, just put it up on the screen for us. I love this verse. This, listen, and we're... we're this is, we're landing the plane for sure. If you, if you don't know, if you've not experienced the love of God, this is your prayer. You walk out of here Father's Day, Father's in here, this is your prayer. You wake up tomorrow on a Monday, you don't really, you're, you're like, man, I just, I, that's just not who I am. Pray this prayer. Tuesday, I just, I don't feel good. I just, pray this prayer. May the Lord direct, I prayed it this morning. May the Lord direct my heart to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. Oh, you should pray that. This is not about, ooh, he's charismatic. He, he's ex, ex, very, you know, just uh, expressive. No, no, Is your heart ever, does it ever feel the embrace? And you say, no, pray this prayer. Lord, move my heart into your love. Direct my heart into your love. So let's allow the truth of God's love to spill out into our hearts, overflow in every area of our life this morning. Amen, church? Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your truth. Thank you for your truth today. I thank you, Lord, that you're teaching and instructing us to know that you love us, to to know certain facts about you, but then to also feel the embrace of those truths. Lord, I pray that there's fathers in the room right now that could be just like little Avery and could get up in their father's lap, feel his embrace, look him in the eye and hear a loving father tell them how much he loves them. Do that today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Did you get something out of that? If not, sorry, come back next week. I'll try again. Here's what I want us to do as we, as we wrap this up today, okay? Um, I felt very specifically about how to end this service. Um, matter of fact, look, I just want us all to no distraction. Just close your eyes right now. I just want to do some evaluation. Just begin to ask the Lord, Lord, where am I at? Lord, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me today? And maybe you're in here and, and not only have you never experienced the love of God, you, you've never even let him in. You've never even said yes to him. And if that's you, I'm telling you, please hear me, hear me plead with you. Don't leave this place without giving your life 100% to Jesus and allowing him to wash you from all of your sins and fill you with his presence and fill you with his love. If that's you and you say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I need to give my life to him today. I feel my heart stirring. Just slip your hand up at me right now. Anyone at all in the room? And if you're watching online, listen, the same invitation goes out to you. You need Jesus today. 
And I want us all to pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me, that you stood in my place, and on the third day, were raised from the dead. And today, forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give it up for all those who have said yes to Jesus today. Come on, first service.